We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no. There's nothing better. That's why... When it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 149. I've got a little pep in my step, Scott, because the Yankees look like they're going to snap this seven-game losing streak. It's about damn time. Yeah, we're recording this towards the end of the show, and uh, at this point, we're you know we're, we're talking about a win early on, so this is kind of ballsy, little bit of balls behind oh. what we're doing right now. But seven run lead with Batances and Chapman still ready to come into the game if needed. I'm feeling confident. I'm feeling confident. I'm feeling good. As far as I'm concerned, those last seven games didn't happen, so we're just going to move forward now, and I'm and I'm happy about that. Uh, five run lead, not seven run lead. I don't know if you. Uh... Didn't take math class in the third grade. Did I say seven? I meant they had seven runs. Yes, obviously. Right. Yes. Well, uh, it was was a little testy on Twitter last night after Clippard's meltdown. Yeah, it was getting uh, getting a little heated. Clippard, I don't don't think Clippard wanted to be in this game at home 
uh, for his own sake. I, I would not want to be in this game if I were him. I saw him bouncing around out there in the dugout late in the game, and I was thinking to myself, it, it's a really bad managerial move by Girardi if he were to bring Clippert into a, a really close situation. It would be the worst situation to, for him to come in after, after what happened yesterday. There's right. no possible way you could succeed. And, and uh, not to mention, before you even do anything, the crowd is going to get just all over you. That was my the, point. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a bad situation to be in. It's no win for him. It was less about the fact that he's just a bad pitcher right now, more the fact that he's mentally not in the right place to be pitching a seventh inning one-run game. And that would, that would not have been Girardi putting his, his player in the right situation. No, and in, in case you were wondering, I did tweet a, a little gif out of him bouncing around from Bronx Pinstripes. Oh, I saw it. 212 likes pretty quickly. <laughs> so that, if, that's a, if that's an indication of what the response would have been for Clippert, if he had come into that game at that moment, not so much. Not Those so good. were uh, 212 people sort of nervously liking it, like, oh, crap, I hope this doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's, uh, it's a good thing he didn't come in for everybody's sake. A uh, little game update, 8-2, to two, your, your boy Headley, just a RBI single. Yeah, see, I'm getting close to 7. Maybe I just had a, a little premonition. <laughs> well, it was, uh, the week, it was definitely one of the uglier weeks of Yankees baseball. And when you think about, they didn't even play on Monday. And Gliber Torres goes down, Tommy John surgery, season over. It was like we felt like we got punched in the gut and the Yankees weren't even on the field. Yeah, I saw someone tweet it out. I think it was one of the beat writers. I forget who it was, so I apologize. I'm not giving any credit here. But the irony that Glaber Torres is getting Tommy John surgery before Masahiro Tanaka is overwhelming. And I saw that. I was like, yeah, that's, that's pretty ridiculous. But, I mean, it's just such a freak thing. On the off day, it's like, come on, man. Like, have we not been beaten down enough this week? You got to take our number one prospect Make him slide all weird and 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 uh, tear his UCL and his left arm. They need to so stop. Ridiculous. They need to start teaching in spring training. Do you? You're you're going to get fined if you slide headfirst into into home plate. Um, but, but his I, was I'm, more awkward too, though. I mean, it was like a uh, trying to avoid the tag thing. Right. Look, you know what? I blame I blame Manfred. I blame Major League <laughs> Baseball. If he was if he was able to just do what he was taught and bowl over the catcher and run to the plate. We wouldn't be in this situation. Right. Buster Posey is to blame for all of this. It's more like instead of, like you said, just doing something natural, now they're over, players are overthinking it, trying to avoid yeah. the catcher, and it, it just puts you in a position to injure yourself. And the whole point of that rule was to avoid injury from the, the player, I guess, but more to the catcher who's wearing armor. Right. Well, Makes a lot of sense. You get the famous plays when uh, Pete Rose plows over the catcher, I'm drawing a blank on the guy's name, and ends his career in the All-Star game. But really, how many injury situations were there? Like you said, Buster Posey, that was a one-off example. In the history of baseball, it was, an, it was a pretty much non-issue. It's basically like talking about the, the, the pace of play thing and the, the minute things they're trying to change so that a three-hour game can be a two-hour and 58 uh, minute game. I mean, it's just these are things that don't make that big of a difference in the grand scheme of things. And to me, that was one of those rules. Leave it alone. Same thing with the second base. They're just they're meddling too much. And then people are doing what they're not used to do. They're not they're doing things that they weren't taught and that they've been doing their entire lives. Not that you're running over catchers in Little League, but there's just there's just a, a certain way you do things. And when you have to change that, you know, muscle memory tells you to do different, uh, you know, one thing and then you're awkwardly sliding into home and tearing your UCL. 
It was, the good news, if there is good news in this whole situation, is that it's his left arm, so it's not his throwing arm. Right. And for a position player, that recovery is way shorter than a, a pitcher. Yeah, it's a lot shorter, and like you said, it's the off arm, so it's not the not the throwing arm, which really shouldn't affect him too much. I would assume it would be more of a a comfort thing when you're hitting; you just got to get used to it. But you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't really expect it to uh, affect him once he's uh, once he's healed up. So I think he'll be good to go. He's gonna be fine for spring training 2018. He should be. Yeah, there should be there should be no doubt. And and this isn't something like. Whereas a pitcher has to work back from an injury and, and, you know, get that feel back and do all these things because they're using that to do their job. Uh, Torres is, you know, it's, it's, it's one of his wings, but it's not the important wing. And, and I don't know, I feel like he get right back into it. It's not, not as big of a deal by far for the position guys. People were freaking out, though, I think more for the fact that the dream of having Gliber Torres at third base for the Yankees in 2017 died on Monday. It did die. Yeah, and it was sad. Because that was something that I think people had in their dreams. R.I.P. It, it was there. You know, it was something that we, we had all thought about. And, you know, the fact that we see a, a prospect in Bird who is, you know, still on the shelf and, like, he can come rescue first base. Curse. And Torres can come rescue third base. So we have these rescue guys within the system. And, uh, and then, you know, it's just when, when disappointment hits, uh, your expectations get shattered. So it's, uh, it's unfortunate. But there is, there is still hope. Speaking of Torres' injury and Bird's uh, setback, cortisone shot, we get into all of that with Donnie Collins. He is the beat writer for the Rail Riders of the Scranton Times Tribune. You've probably heard him on this podcast about a year ago, but uh, he, we called him on the phone today and he gave us a, an update on a lot of different players. So that's on the back half of this show. Stay tuned for that. He was very high, though, on Tyler Wade. A little spoiler for you. So... I mean, he he flat out called Tyler Wade the best player on the Rail Riders right now. Maybe Tyler Wade is an option for third base, and then maybe you can get fancy with Headley moving Headley over to first base if Greg Bird is truly like lost because right now he's lost; he's not even rehabbing anymore. Yeah, so the cortisone shot is 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 happening right now. I guess three to five days, and like you said, we talk about that with Donnie pretty pretty extensively, but. Um, Wade, he was very high on Wade and, and, uh, Wade has been hitting the entire time. If you look at his numbers, I mean, the guy's hitting, I think like 315 or 310, something along those lines and a significant amount of at bats. He's stealing bases. He's, uh, he's getting a lot of hits. Uh, I think he, Donnie was saying he's leading or, or very close to the top of the international league in hits. So, I mean, he's playing really well and that's not a surprise because I mean, remember out of spring training and Tyler Wade was the guy who really, who, who took who took the um, was was trying to take that utility job, and honestly, if there wasn't if there wasn't more talk of him like developing as a prospect, if he wasn't that guy, if he was a little bit older, I bet he would have had that that job um, nailed down. So it shouldn't be a big surprise. I just don't think he's just talked about as much as these other guys that we we all know very well. He was totally being overshadowed by yeah. Gleyber Torres. Oh, 100%. I mean, and I mean, it's not just Gleyber Torres, though. It's all the guys that have recently come over in trades, and you see the, the, you know, the surge of prospects who are now in the major leagues in the Bronx. I think Tyler Wade was one of those guys that was you know, kind of one of the forgotten prospects. But you also pointed it out to Donnie that it, there's really not a clear spot for Tyler Wade on this team if it's not third base. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, Donnie was talking about him being this utility guy. Well, I just I don't know how that fits into the current situation of the Yankees because they have those guys. It's not like the outfield, him playing outfield, is that uh, much of an important factor if if Ellsbury gets back healthy. I mean, now if Ellsbury doesn't get back healthy, I could see it more. But the outfield is four deep, like strong four deep, if if they're all healthy, 
And the infield, I mean, Torres, Torres isn't going anywhere. He's done a good job. They, they love him on this team. He fits very well. I just don't see them bringing, uh, you know, any move there. So I, I don't know where he fits in if he doesn't play first base. The thing also that I, I like about Torres, and I'm sure they do, is that he can perform when he doesn't play every day. So they can, they can have confidence he can fill in for a day or two days a week and still give you what Torres is, which is a solid defender and a, and a pretty tough at-bat for somebody of his caliber. Oh, no doubt. And they know that, too. Like, this, this is a known quantity. This, this guy can have multiple days off, pop in at any point, and give you, like you said, good at-bats, good performances, whereas... Tyler Wade's been playing every day that's kind of an unknown I mean is he a guy that can come up and and sit for three or four days and then go out there at a a position that he's not 100% comfortable in or one that's not his strongest and and come out and and play well we don't know that's it and I don't think the Yankees are ready to make that move unless they're unless they're forced into it um, with a guy that they don't know about it's got to be a third base situation and it's got to be there they need to give up on Chris Carter eventually and I don't know if it's going to be Tyler Austin. I don't know if it's going to be Greg Bird if he ever gets healthy again or if they do something with somebody else in the minor league system. We get into pretty much every option at first base with Donnie Collins. Um, so, like I said, stay tuned for that. But you, you also said Ellsbury is, is I guess, uh, improving, right? I mean, he's his headache symptoms are gone. So he took batting practice on Wednesday. And when you look at what Gardner's been doing, it's actually – they could use Ellsbury because Gardner had that crazy month of May where he his OPS was over a thousand, but April and June his OPS is six forty, which is below his career average. We said this. I mean, we called this. He's he's gonna stop hitting home runs. It was the most obvious thing that you could ever see coming, and it happened. He stopped hitting home runs. Well, it's below his career average, but honestly, I mean, I think his career average gets skewed by months of May. <laughs> you know, he gets these these pockets of months uh, where right. his pockets of he always has he a month blows of May. it up. Yeah, exactly. Whether it's in May or, or it's usually in May, but if it's uh, it, it's usually early in the season at some point. But I don't know. I think he gets skewed by that because he is such a streaky guy. So, I mean, where is average? I don't know. Average is the is the mean of all of them. But again, because he is so streaky, it doesn't really mean much. So, yeah, I mean, there's a spot. Obviously, I think. I think not having Ellsbury, while everybody could complain about Ellsbury and the contract and all this stuff, it definitely hurts the team by not having him there because he is, and he was having a, a pretty good year. For Ellsbury standards, he was having a very good year. But, you know, this is a guy that, that can definitely go in and play, um, you know, a good center field. And, and so, so far this year, he's had good at-bats. He's been playing pretty well. So it's, it's not optimal for the team for him to be on the shelf right now. When he comes back, though, I, I think him and Gardner are going to be the platoon guys because Hicks is, is back and healthy, and he's he came back like he didn't even miss a beat. And you're obviously not sitting Aaron Judge, so. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, we'll see how, we'll see how Hicks continues to play during the season. I, I'm interested to see how, how high of a, of a level he can keep up, to tell you the truth. You know, I mean, we saw what, what he's capable of when he plays every day, and he's still playing well. Like you said, he came back with no issues. I'm, very inter- I'm interested to see how it goes. Yeah, they'll gotta, ride it. They'll ride you it. You gotta no ride doubt. it. No doubt. Yeah. But, I, you know, I would not be surprised if he were to uh, come down to earth a little bit more. Well. <laughs> I mean, he's, at three, he's under 300 right now, too. So that batting average has slowly, slowly started going down. His on-base percentage is still pretty high, though. Yeah. Which is the thing that has been the biggest turnaround for him. Yeah, I agree with that, I think. And, his, and he's got the power numbers that have already exceeded 2016, so. 
as we said, the Yankees uh, lost seven in a row. And because of that, it was the longest losing streak since 2007. It kind of made the AL East all bunched up again. Every, all the teams, even Toronto, who started off, I think, 2-11 and or 2-10, and is only five games back. So the Yankees now, if they win on, on Wednesday night, which it looks like they're going to, they're going to be a half game over the Red Sox, but the Blue Jays are only five back. Yeah, it's tight. I mean, this is kind of what we expected from the beginning. I mean, granted, we got off to a, a, a torrid, like, ridiculous start. The Blue Jays were opposite. The Red Sox have kind of been up and down. And I think the, I think the same thing with the Orioles. The Orioles have been super up and down. I mean, like, we embarrassed them at in the Bronx two weeks ago. Um, and then Tampa's just there. I mean, they're like the fly that just doesn't go away. They just keep buzzing around your head and annoying the living hell out of you. They're um, actually... A- in the playoffs right now, Tampa. They're the second wild card. Oh, that's ridiculous. That's I didn't I didn't realize <laughs> that. They uh they're I mean they're I think what what's surprising is that their offense is a lot better than than anybody expected it to. Yeah, they're uh, hitting home runs. Yeah, I think the pitching is is kind of what everybody thought it was. Like they have potential with pitching, but the fact that their offense is is thumping like it is, you know, that's that's the surprise in my opinion. But it seems like well, across the board offenses all around are thumping. Yeah, so did you know that the, the seams are different this year and that the balls are harder? I don't yeah, know if you, if you heard about that. No, I did hear about that a little bit. Yeah. I heard someone yeah. complaining about it. So if Aaron Judge breaks the home run single season record, there's going to be an asterisk. Oh, Roger Maris. <laughs> the Roger Maris family will, will, will fight that asterisk. Um, Big Mike came home Tuesday looking to get uh, get the Yankees back on track, but he didn't have his good stuff. So that whole home road splits that we talked about on the last episode did not translate. Gave up uh, an earned run in the first inning. And then Chris Carter with a totally Bill Buckner-esque <clears> error. <throat> I, I, I was not watching the first couple innings of this game. But as soon as I, I logged onto Twitter and saw all the hate for Chris Carter, I knew something Chris Carter-y happened. I, I watched the, the low light. And I, did, it's did just... Did you zoom in? Did you zoom in on his face? Uh, no, did he have no emotion like normal? No, his eyes were closed. Oh, it's it's a bold <laughs> strategy going with the eyes closed. When really you're not is. only fielding, but also batting. Anticipating that hop with the eyes closed, Didn't, very bold strategy. So, so Scott, like when you were in Little League, like eye on the ball, that was taught, right? Yeah, yeah, glove to the ground too. That's also yeah. taught. Glove, huh. get, some, get your glove dirty. Funny. And, and don't anticipate a hop ever. Well, good news is Chris Carter was out early on Wednesday taking early BP and early fielding practice. Yeah, I saw I saw your picture that was tweeted out. There were a lot of – it looked like the ball was actually hitting the um, – it wasn't – I think he was swinging and missing and it was just bouncing off of a pipe and, well, so, and dribbling out five feet from him. When you are taking batting practice, there's no excuse for a ball to be in front of the pitcher's mound. I right. guess unless you hit a line drive right back up the middle. But other than that, I don't know how the ball ends seven feet in front of you. Yeah, he's either missing it and it's hitting a pipe, like I said, and just dribbling out, or he's hitting underneath the ball and it's hitting the top of the, of the cage. It's bad. It's not a good, not a good look for batting practice when you should be mashing the ball. But you know, it's Chris Carter, so I mean, I don't know what. I think everybody's expectations are, are way too high for this guy. I, I think well, at, at the same time, you, <laughs> yeah, they're I, too people's high. expectations are just don't strike out every time. No, no, no <clears> not even that. Don't. Totally screw up the game with errors at first base. Look, he is terrible. I will be the first person to say this. I, I think it's unfortunate that we're seeing him every day, and that's the biggest thing. That's why it's so glaring right now. If we didn't see him every day, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. It'd be like a guy that comes in against left-handed pitching and probably hits a few home runs, and we wouldn't see him against right-handed pitching, 
and we wouldn't see him in the game in the uh, in the field all that often. And we wouldn't be annoyed by his face. Probably wouldn't even notice his eyes were closed. So it's really all Greg Bird's fault, in all honesty. At the same time, because he is the one who is letting us all down by uh, by being hurt, by being this, by having soft bones, and allowing Chris Carter to play. Well, uh, the Yankees did tie it up. Judge and and Sanchez with the homers in the fifth and sixth innings to tie it up. Clippard comes in. I think it was it was first batter, right? Gives up the home run to Mabin. Yeah, I, yes, it was. It, it he got it he it got it out of the way pretty early. Deja vu all over again from last week in Anaheim and and last weekend against Oakland, and it didn't end there because he ended up giving up uh, another run, um, and Didi also made a, a bad bonehead play that allowed um, Escobar to go to third base, and then that that run ended up scoring. So it, it was. A they were they were so beat by that point. I mean, they were so completely just out of the game right. mentally after Clippard comes in when they have momentum and just completely gives it back. It was it was bad. It was all on Clippard. The whole DD thing, like I don't know what that was. There, it was weird. Like someone wasn't communicating to him that they were running. When you're back to the play and you're taking a cut, like people should be telling you what to do because you can't see the play. So I don't know what was going on there. It was very unlike DD. So I'm giving him a pass on that. But the Clippard was the is the is the guy that's you know just that's inexcusable what he's been doing lately. That was the thing that was most disappointing is that as soon as he allowed uh, the go ahead run, the air came completely out of the team. Yeah, they totally folded. Yeah, and it looked like they were just saying to themselves, "We expected this to happen. We're on a losing streak. This is we're now a losing team." Yeah, I don't know about that far, but. Look, I, I don't know why I don't know why Girardi. I mean, there's there's been a lot of debate about Clippard going into the game at this point. I think that's that's something that that needs to be looked at because I mean, when you have a seven game losing streak or a, what, a six game losing streak at that point, you need to do anything and everything to end that losing streak and to get in the win column and just stop it, right? Like you do whatever you got to do to stop it. And I think a lot of people were calling for. You know, Batantis to come in early in this, what was this, the seventh inning. So though, bet- between Batantis and Chapman, they would have had to have gotten um, nine outs. And Batantis hadn't pitched until tonight. He hadn't pitched, I think, in five days or four days. So, you know, he was rested, ready to go, um, knowing that you have Chapman. I understand you don't want to throw Chapman a lot a lot longer because he's just coming back. But I think Batantis was ready to go and, prob- and, and, and could have done two innings. So, I don't know. To me, that's the move. To you got to stop it when you have the opportunity to stop it. The other second guess was that instead of using Clippard in the seventh inning, which was the top of the order, it was one, two, three in the batting order, you use Batances there, let him get through maybe Pujols and uh, Escobar, and then maybe you bring in Clippard for the lower half of the lineup. Yeah, and that's another That's thinking outside the box. That's sort of, I mean, that's not set bullpen innings, right? Because you'd be... In theory, you'd say you'd second guess Jardy because why would you bring in Batances before Clippard? But it's Fire it's going back to the it's going back to the game situation. Yes, the, it's a harder situation. I know it's not the eighth inning. I know the eighth inning is quote unquote more difficult than the seventh inning. But when it's the top of the order, it's not more difficult. No, I totally agree. I, this is this is the mentality. This is what we've been we've been kind of talking about this all year long. I think we've been talking about this since we saw. Um, uh, Tito Francona and, and Joe Madden doing it in the, at the end of the seasons last year and in the, the postseason and saying, like, of course, right, this is the... I mean, Andrew Miller was used that way pretty much after the trade, the entire time after the trade. So you're bringing a guy in at, the, at a high-leverage situation, 
And right then, like, that's when you're holding the lead. That's when you're holding the game. That's where the game can get out of hand. Is It was in the seventh inning. Like, it's it's at that point when you have, like you said, Pujols, the, the meat of the order, that's when you have to save the game, and that's when you want your be- your best guy in. So, yeah. whether he, So if he's not going two innings, then go, go there, extinguish the fire, save the lead with Batantis, and then deal with it from there. And all of that does not a- a- ignore the fact that Tyler Clipper's just pitching like absolute dog shit right now. Right. And and do you think that's it? Because <laughs> I think that's it. I think he's just in a terrible rut. Like, this isn't terrible. The guy's, yeah, terrible rut. It's a horrible rut. But I'm saying I don't. I think he can come out of this. I, I mean, I think he's has enough of a track record to that you can that you can kind of say, okay, well, at some point he's going to come out of this. Kind of like Tanaka, if I'm, but it's it's a very similar situation. Almost like they forget how to pitch. I would say Clippard's going to come out of it because, like you said, he's been a good pitcher for a long time. But yeah. but it's I think it's but it's he's not. You can't trust him in a high leverage situation. No, right now. you just can't. No, and we've got we've got some notes on that. So uh, shout out to our to our intern Dom. He's uh, newly newly acquired onto Yankees podcast onto the Bronx Pinstripe Show. He's got some some stats on Clippard for us. So in high leverage situations, he's allowing a six fifty two slugging percentage to to opposing hitters, which is astronomically high. And he's also so because he's not a closer, you can't really use blown saves as as a stat. But Fangraphs has. Uh, Shutdowns and meltdowns. Obviously, shutdown innings are good. Meltdown innings are bad. Tyler Clippard leads the league with nine meltdowns. <laughs> it just sounds so much worse, too. Why are they going to call it a meltdown? <laughs> it's uh, great. I love it. Yeah, uh, that's a, that's an advanced metric that I can get behind, I think. That's that's a good one. I like whoever named that one. But, yeah, it's bad. It's bad. I mean, I don't know how many more times we can look and look at the numbers. All I know is it's bad. You could have thrown all these numbers at me, and I could have told you, that. yep, that's about right, because I'm looking at him, and I know he's bad. I know the ball's leaving the ballpark, and it looks terrible. So, look, the guy just – he needs to – he needs to go back and, and, and work some middle relief. Joe needs to put him in situations where he can succeed and get that confidence back and, uh, and, and you know, locate. I mean, location's been a big, another big reason why, why he's struggling. I mean, uh, there's an article on Bronx Pinstripes that just went up um, by our guy Dean and talking about the location and how he's missing quite often where he has success down in the zone and Clippers just not getting the ball there. I mean, he's a, he's a guy who has – you have to trick he's, – he's, he's got to trick you with that right. changeup and, and, and the fastball. And if it's not locating, if he's not getting that change up down, if he's not getting a split down, then then he gets hit. It's it's a very similar situation with Tanaka in the sense that if he's up in the zone, he's going to get mashed. And that's what's happening. If Batantis misses with his 98-mile-an-hour fastball, it's fine. He can still beat people. Clippard's not going to beat anybody. And now Clippard's in the game and he I was just, just gonna gave say up that. first pitch double. <laughs> I was just about to say I Clippard understand Girardi wants to get him into – Yeah, he wants to get him into an 8-2 game for confidence sake. Like, get some – good innings under this guy's belt but i would have given him a day shit. i would have given him a day in between i would not have come out this uh, uh today i mean maybe he wants to get it done immediately but i don't know that's yeah. it's playing with fire right now yeah because if he gives up a run i mean i don't know it's just the it, it's a bigger issue than just the fact that they were trying to end a losing streak and they couldn't but they're gonna need clippard or they're gonna need somebody I don't know if it's Clippard. I don't know if it's maybe Chad Green. Chad or Green looked healthy... good tonight. Chad Green looked yeah. really good tonight. Two strong innings. Throwing 97 miles an hour. I like it. He's got the stuff. Chad There's... Green has the stuff to pitch in, in the seventh inning. He's a, he could be a late inning pitcher. Or if it's a healthy Adam Warren or whatever it is. Someone's going to need to step up if it's not Tyler Clippard. This is a guy that I was talking about early in, the, in, in spring training. That His stuff to me translates to the bullpen better. I mean, he's got that, he's got that big fastball. They were talking about it today. 
the way his delivery is, how it's nice and slow and slow, and then it's just that fastball just jumps on you at 97 miles per hour. And he almost lulls you to sleep and then blows it by you. I really do like his stuff. If he can develop, um, you know, that that swagger or whatever for that that closer, that that back of the um, you know, back of the rotation or back of the bullpen type of, of mentality, I think he could be really good. And, uh, you know, one thing that, that is brought up uh, later with the interview with Donnie is he talks about Brian Mitchell. Dude, I totally forgot about Brian Mitchell in the past, like, two weeks. Yeah, um, he's and, the and forgotten that, pitcher. Yeah, that he's a guy still down there and, and a guy that's that's certainly an option. I mean, you know what? Before he had that injury, what, not uh, last spring training, he was the, he was coming out as the fifth starter and doing very well in spring training. So hopefully he can get it back together because he's another guy who can help. He he had a few chances earlier in the season to to be that bridge guy, and he, yeah, he, he did. didn't step up. That's true. So, but but yeah, I mean he he's another guy similar to Luis Sessa and Chad Green. He is. He is. I think. Uh, I think Sessa of the three of them to me it looks more like a starter, uh, just because he doesn't have that. I don't know that dominant stuff that that relievers tend to have nowadays. <clears throat> um, and so I don't know. I think he's the he's the guy that's that's going to be. We're going to see him playing the the revolving uh, starting pitcher role. All yeah, I mean, long. Sessa didn't look good against Oakland, and Sessa's got a four and a half ERA in AAA. Yeah, he's going to be that guy. who's going to come up and. And, uh, and pitch every once in a blue moon. But I don't think uh, – he's not going to be a fixture in the bullpen. I don't see that happening. I want to quickly talk about Jordan Montgomery, who uh, pitched into the sixth inning on Wednesday night. He gave up that two-run homer to Maldonado, who only had five home runs on the year. And to me, that was, a, that was totally a situation where Montgomery lost focus after the balk. And that is the frustrating thing, uh, and it – it reminds you that he's a rookie, and he does this from time to time, whether it's walking a leadoff hitter or falling behind a bad hitter or hanging a changeup in the middle of the plate. You cannot lose focus in that situation. I don't know if Romine needs to go out and talk to him after the balk or Rothschild needs to go out there and calm him down after the balk, but but something needs to happen because he too often loses focus. Yeah, I will... I think you have to go back down to the fact that he's a rookie, like you said. I think that's th- these are these are growing pains. They're going to happen, and I, I think he pitched pretty well today. I think he he got uh, he did what the Yankees needed him to do, and and got them through um, you know a significant portion of this game, and didn't put Tyler Clippard in a position that actually meant anything because he just gave up a home run, still no outs. Um, but yeah, I, I look, I like Montgomery. I like his stuff. I think he competes. I think he's got the stuff to do well, and. I just think he needs more seasoning. I think he just needs more time, and I think all that stuff will come. As far as a rookie season goes, it's been a pretty damn good rookie season for Jordan Montgomery. Oh, no doubt. No doubt about it. Absolutely. And it's it's one of the very few starting pitchers the Yankees have developed in in recent years. It's very true. I mean, that's if you look at down the line of the guys that were supposed to come up, the Phil Hughes, the Jabba Chamberlains, who have been completely messed with and just did not uh, you know, get to expectations – um, besides Severino, who is the guy right now who is looks like uh, kind of the golden child of the Yankees pitching prospects, um, Jordan Montgomery is doing well. I mean, look, fifth starter coming out when no one expected him to even compete for that job. That's that's a that's a hell of a job. I and mean, we're, we're in the middle of June right now, and he's still sitting there. So, you know, good for him. And again, I just think he's going to develop even more throughout the season. And he's going to be a guy that that's first of all, he's going to have to be a big um, part of this rotation because there are going to be more injuries. Obviously, with Tanaka doing what he's doing, you, you just know that you know CC will most likely get you know be on the shelf for uh, another another one more time probably at some point during the season just because he's an older guy. So you need Montgomery to be that guy, and you need him to develop and continue to get better. 
Tyler Clifford looked like looks like he's gonna cry right now. It's really hard to to do this while I'm looking at Tyler Clifford walk off the field right there. It's so it's so demoralizing. I don't even know why Girardi brought him in this game. It was a bad idea. Bad idea, Joe. <laughs> Uh, upcoming, the Yankees. Severino's going on Thursday night against Jesse Chavez. They did not see Jesse Chavez when they were in Anaheim last week. And then they've got Texas, who's a, another 500 team in the AL West. Everyone's a mile and a half behind the Houston Astros. The Rangers hit a ton of home runs. They also strike out a bunch. That's the trend in baseball now. And Adrian Beltre's injured. So this is, a, I mean, the Yankees crush at home so this is another chance for them to keep winning games at home and improve on that best record so before we get into the interview with donnie scott uh, a little teaser for maybe another bronx pinstripes event later in this year yeah definitely we're uh we're in we're in talks right now we're trying to get the uh, the game uh, nailed down and to figure out the situation and all that stuff with the amount of tickets and all that stuff to see where we where we have but yeah we are uh, planning it so it's it's in uh, it's in planning right now uh, i don't have an exact date but it's most likely going to be in september um so it will be probably a very high leverage game a very important game and is going to be a lot of fun uh, a similar similar area where we'll be sitting but yeah more details to come on that but definitely uh keep an eye out because the first one was awesome um and the second one is going to be even better and i i can't wait because there, we're, we're growing this thing. It's uh, going into 2018. It's gonna, it's gonna be a, a number of these on the schedule. So I, I'm pumped up. I'm excited, and uh, I'm ready to uh, to build on what we started. So it's gonna be fun, man. Let me tell you guys, Tyler Clippard needs a beer, and he needs one from the Bronx Brewery. He needs a Banner Ale. It's the Golden Easy Ale, which is Scott and I's go-to beer for at Yankees games, as well as watching at home. And I think after this game, after two games in a row of him serving up home runs, he might need to drink a six-pack to forget about this, Scott. There's no doubt. Seven, seven games in a row when you're losing, uh, I, I'm not going to lie, I did have probably too many of the Banner Ales while I was watching these games. There was a, I had to stay awake uh, on this West Coast trip, and I was drinking beer probably too much. My wife was not happy, but it got me through a week of baseball. That was terrible. But let me tell you more about the Bronx Banner Ale. You're probably already excited about this beer, but there's another reason to get excited because the beer not only tastes great, but what it does is this supports an even better cause. 5% of every case sold of the Bronx Banner is donated to the New York Restoration Project, which is a local nonprofit focused on making the South Bronx greener and more sustainable. It's a perfect way to support the community. And if you guys are at the stadium, the beer is also being served in the behind the bleachers. Go check it out. And even if there is not a Yankees game, you can go check out their South Bronx-based tasting room, which is only a quick walk from the Cypress Avenue 6 train. So go to thebronxbrewery.com slash find, select Bronx Banner in the dropdown, and you can enter your zip code and you can find out the closest bars that sell the Bronx Banner or where you can buy it in stores. All right, let's get into the Donnie Collins interview. Started with nothing really. I was dreaming, sleeping rarely. Had a different theory, then I started thinking clearly. Can y'all even hear me? But always on call. Can't turn around now. I know we're not far. And I can smell it. Deep down, they jealous. That'll never sell us what they used to tell us. Shout out to all the fake fans, to the dreamers that can make plans. Joining us on the podcast now is Donnie Collins from the Scranton Times Tribune. He's covering the Rail Riders on the beat. Donnie, thanks for joining us. No problem, guys. Thanks for having me. So it's been a fun year for you guys so far with all these young Yankees prospects, right? Sort of uh, the last time you were on this podcast, we talked about it. How was that? Was a tr- transition, and even more so now. Yeah, it's, it's always fun, you know, when you when you get some uh, 
the prospect at the Triple A, and I, I think you know fans around here they, they like to see winning. You know, they, they you know it's you know a lot of you know you see it more in Double A, Class A, where you, fans go to see the prospects. Here you go to see winning, and they're kind of getting both uh, because these guys since you know really the beginning of last year they've been a very resilient bunch of guys for for as young as they are. I think their average age is 23 or 24 now, and and, and that would be among the two or three youngest teams in the International League. And it's pretty impressive considering they're also maybe one of the two or three most competitive teams in the International League. It has been really since last April. It's been an amazing run. And you you don't often see uh, in in the International League a a team, you know, change over a little bit, bring up new younger kids, and still compete at kind of the same level. And and amazingly, uh, this Rail Riders team is competing and winning at the same kind of rate that they won last year when they uh, won the uh, AAA National Championship, and, and, and were you know, far and away the best team in, in, in minor league baseball. So, yeah, it, it's been fun. There's been a lot of guys who, who've gone up to the big leagues and helped. You, you, you get, you get to you know, kind of tell the stories of Baron Judges and Gary Sanchez and guys like that you know, before, before they get to the big leagues and, and, and see their development. It's, it's been a pretty neat uh, couple of years with this team. As you know, the team in the Bronx has been not doing so hot lately on a seven-game losing streak. And when that happens, and you have a really good system down in Scranton and AAA, the fans are are calling for heads. They're looking for for guys to come in and step in and save the day. I think one of the the, the biggest positions that we've you know heard about and talking about is first base. Chris Carter is an obvious fan favorite up in New York, um, and yeah. uh, and you guys have a a guy by the name of Tyler Austin who has definitely been getting a lot of attention on uh, in the Twitter sphere if you're if you're paying attention to it but um, tell us uh, about Tyler Austin I know we you know we'll talk about first base too with Greg Bird but uh, first things first Tyler Austin how's he doing in AAA he's, he's better uh, he, he didn't start out great he was striking out a bunch and and and, if, and by a bunch I mean at the same rate he had struck out at the past he's he's kind of a guy who's been all or nothing in AAA um, but he's got tremendous power. And, and, and when he's really going right, he's literally going right. He's taking the ball to the right center field. And at Yankee Stadium, that's going to play because, you know, the balls that are doubled here are going to be first or second row home runs at, at Yankee Stadium because this, this park is quite a bit bigger. Um, Austin, is a, he, he's always been a very intriguing guy because sometimes he puts it together. And when he puts it together, he's a 300 hitter with power. Um, and you can overlook the strikeouts and, and, and that and those situations, but for for whatever reason with him, uh, the Yankees aren't overlooking the strikeouts this time. And enough for another, you know, for whatever reason with him, they aren't playing him in the outfield. And and, and I don't know why that is. They kind of officially said today that he they consider him only a first baseman, which kind of goes with the way that they've been playing him here. He's been a DH slash first baseman kind of guy. Um, he played a couple of games in right field early on in his tenure, actually when he was on Major League Rehab, but that stopped. So he's, and I don't know why, we're going to have to figure that one out, because I thought he was playing okay out there, but I'm sure the Yankees have some injury concerns there with him. That's another thing with Austin, always always seems to be battling something. But when he's healthy, and, he has, and he's healthy right now, he, he's you know, middle-of-the-order international league hitter. Now, does that translate into middle-of-the-order Big league hitter, not necessarily. Does it translate into a bottom of the order big league hitter? Maybe. So, yeah, I, I think Austin over the next couple of weeks is going to have to show he's going to strike out less. If he strikes out less and Chris Carter doesn't improve, 
I think you gotta you you have you have to look at it. You you almost you know if they're responsible not to because there really is no other option unless you're going to go the G Man Choi route. And I don't know you know if if you don't have a forty man spot for Tyler Wade or Dustin Fowler, why do you have one for G Man Choi? So Austin is a guy I, I think that he's really the only in house alternative to to a Carter, and he's really kind of a Carter guy, but. You know, like I said, when he gets it going, when, you know, he, unlike Carter, Carter when he gets hot, he hits a home run. Austin when he gets hot, he hits some doubles. He hits the ball and screws. He'll get you with some home runs. He'll get some singles. He's, he's an average hitter. He, he'll, he'll hit he'll hit you 300. But you know that that hasn't happened so far, and, and they want to see those strikeouts get cut down. So I think Austin's here for I don't want to say the foreseeable future, but next couple of weeks at least. How is Austin at first base defensively? Because we saw him in the majors last year, second half, and he was kind of bouncing around, playing the outfield, playing first base. He looked like a decent first baseman to me, certainly better than than Chris Carter, who couldn't even feel the routine ground ball last night. So is is defense also an issue with Austin, and maybe he's re- still recovering from that foot? I mean, I don't know if that's a uh, reason they're not playing him in the outfield. Yeah, maybe. I, I mean, he says his foot's fine, so I'm, I'm going to go with that. Um, he, he, and when I talked to him about where he was going to play while he was here, he told me right field and first base. So that has changed. Um, why that's changed, I think Cashman would have to, to answer that one. But um, I, I mean, I, defensively, he's been fine. I mean, he, he makes some nice plays. I don't, I don't remember a, 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 an extremely difficult play he's made, and I don't remember a very easy play that he's botched. So I, I think he, so far, is, is I, I'll say this. Let, let me go this far. I, I, I think he's better at first base than Rob Ressnyder. <laughs> Do you think so, he's better than I mean, Carter? Um, I, I would I would say <laughs> it's tough because I, I always thought Carter was a pretty decent first base. And this year he's he's made a couple of errors and some, on some easier plays. Ugly and I, errors. And it's, it's, Yes, ugly errors on some easy plays. But in defense of Carter, I think he's made some nice scoops on some on some throws from third um, at times this year. I, I don't think he's been, I, I don't think he's been the worst defensive player in the history of the game. But I don't think he's been <laughs> great defensively. Certainly not good enough to justify, you know, a 200 batting average and a 40 well, percent strikeout rate. If already. worst in the history of the game is all we're going on, then that's really not much of a benchmark. <laughs> no, it's, you know, but I, I, I think he's. I mean, do, do I think Tyler Austin's better than him? I, I don't know because in the past I think Carter's been pretty good. Yeah. Is Tyler is, is Austin right now better than Carter? I, yeah, you can make the argument. Um, but but David, you mentioned it earlier. Austin's always been a guy who's bounced around. He's played some outfield. He's played he's, he's played some first. I even asked him a couple of weeks ago if he if he was going to play any third. He kind of laughed that one off. But uh, that was back when the when when Torres was was you know before he had come up. So. Uh, I really thought they might give Austin a look at third to, you know, if he was capable to, to you know, maybe when Headley was struggling, but they're not going to do that, obviously. I mean, they're obviously not going to look at him in the outfield. So, so really, I mean, I, I think you have to look at Austin's numbers and, and look at how hard he's hitting the ball and then look at his strikeouts and look at the whole package and then really kind of combine it with this idea that they're not calling him up. And, and you know, they, they, they have a reason why. I, I, I don't know what it is, but they, they have one. If you're looking at the organizational depth, too, I mean, it does kind of make some sense where they're putting him at first base and that's the spot they want him to develop in because, I mean, Chris Carter is really the only major league first baseman right now in the organization. You look at Greg Bird, who's hurt, 
Um, and we'll talk about him in a second. But if you don't have Austin as that as that next first baseman and the only other guy, then then who's there? So it's they're almost pigeonholed into making him that first baseman and guaranteeing some depth. So they have to keep him, I guess, at that point until they feel comfortable that he can come up and and play the position. Because unfortunately, I don't think Chris Carter's going anywhere. Because even if Tyler Austin's up. They have no other depth. They have to keep him on board unless Greg Bird says he's healthy and shows he's healthy. Yeah, correct. I mean, I, that's the that's the million dollar question. I, I think Cashman said it on the radio on, on FAN yesterday. He kind of thought going into spring training that they were pretty good there. You know, Austin's their third best option. And, you know, he, then he got hurt, but he was their third best option. Bird's their best option, and then you're going to you know against lefties where against the tougher lefties where Bird would sit. You're going to play Chris Carter, who was the National League home run champion. And yeah, it makes some sense that that's that's a pretty good rotation. Well, Bird Bird not hitting slash getting hurt threw the whole thing into a off kilter because obviously, you know, you don't want Carter taking every every start anyway. And then Austin getting hurt kind of you know that that sullied his chances because he didn't, they didn't get to see him against some big league pitching in spring training. So now what you're what you're really looking at is is I mean G Man Choi played in the big leagues last year. I don't I don't I don't hear anybody clamoring for him and I don't blame them. But he's he's the I would I would guess he's the fourth option after after the other three guys. And then the, I mean probably I I would say you know I probably shouldn't say this, but in my mind the best Triple A first baseman is the Double A first baseman is Mike Ford. So I mean he's the guy who he sees the. He sees the ball very well at the plate. He's an on-base guy. I mean, his power starting to come around. Plays. He looked good defensively to me when he was here. But I mean, right now, I mean, the, the experienced big league first baseman are Chris Carter, Tyler Austin, and G-Man Choi. Take your pick. Ford is an older prospect, right? Isn't he like 24? Yeah, he's 24, 25. He was an undrafted guy. They got him out of Princeton, but. Um, they, they bring him in, and he just done nothing but hit. It, he's kind of, if you remember Kyle Roller, he kind of looks like Kyle Roller, except he's he's got a little bit more plate discipline, I think, and 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 he's more he's more of an extra base threat. Roller was kind of an all or nothing guy, um, by you know by the end of his tenure here. But um, I, I think Ford's better than Roller, uh, but I'd like to see Ford in AAA before I would say you know this this is a guy who who can get up and 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 play some of the big leagues. I mean, right now. He, in Brian Cashman's defense, without losing a guy, without trading somebody who you want for a, for, you know, for for some a run of the mill first baseman, which is what you're going to get right now, your your options are Austin, who is who's always hurt, slash an, an outfielder kind of first baseman tweener, G-Man Choi, who didn't hit at all in the big leagues last year, and 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 the guy who's not hitting, but he did lead a league in home runs one year. So I, I think he's rolling the dice that Carter's going to turn it around. I mean, what's go, what could Chase Carter is his defense, obviously, but I, I think right now, I mean, I, I, I can't make a really compelling case for Austin because he hasn't played in the big leagues this year. Right. With Bird, though, he had a set, another setback, cortisone shot, out for another three to five days. Is just is this all just bad luck for Bird? Uh, yeah, I would say so. I mean, if he, if he doesn't play the, the last game of spring training, who knows? I mean, if he doesn't follow the ball off his foot, does he continue that torrid streak? I mean, I mean uh, we were talking about it, uh, Connor Foley and I. He's the uh, he's, he's the other kind of Kobe guy here at the end of uh, at the end of spring training, and we kind of were, were like, you know, Bird needs to cool off a little bit. 
because if he doesn't he's wasting go off, it all. he's going to, yeah, he's way, he's, he's spending a lot of hits in spring training. And, and it turned out that that's what happened. I mean, I mean they're, they're saying the injury probably contributed to it and I'll buy that. And, um, I mean, the, the thing with bird though, that, that would scare me a little bit with, with the foot is that he didn't look very good here. I mean, even, even before he followed the ball off the knee and, and, and that's kind of what shut him down the second time. He didn't feel right after falling the ball off his knee, uh, two Sundays ago in, in, in Allentown. Um, he didn't look great, and, and he looked he looked wonderful here two years ago. Obviously, when he was here, he was driving the ball all over the park. He was kind of hunting fastballs and missing them, and and, and you know hitting slow rollers, pulling off you know off speed pitches outside. He you know he, he was he was kind of trying to still find it. I didn't think he was a guy, even if he had gotten through the the last week healthy. I didn't think he was a guy who was going to go up there and immediately take Chris Carter's spot. So. Maybe the the break helps him, and and I, and I actually think the cortisone shot in the news today is probably pretty good news for Bird. They're going to give it another go, I guess, in five days and see where they stand. Uh, hopefully for him that the uh, you know the ankle comes around, but but that's a, that's a big loss for the Yankees. I mean, look 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 what he did in spring training. Look what he did, you know, in the you know in August and September of 2015. I mean, that's a legitimate bat they don't have in the lineup right now that they were counting on, and and that's why they're in the Chris Carter. Tyler Austin predicament right now. So, mm-hmm. uh, so really, I mean, they have, yeah, they're, they're waiting on bird and crossing their fingers, but I, I don't know really if, if they can count on him right now. What's your opinion on Greg bird's mental state at this point? I mean, can you see that he still has the confidence of a, of a guy who believes in himself and believes he's going to go out there and hit, or, I mean, are you seeing other things that are, that are going on with him as far as, I don't know the, the the focus or just the 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 approach he's taking at the game because to me, that's also just as important that he has the confidence in his own ability that this bone bruise isn't just uh, you know something as an excuse but but he still has it you know I, I'm very curious on where he is uh, upstairs. Oh, I, I think for just from seeing him and you know he wasn't here very long but I I think he's confident. I mean he seems confident and. Yeah, I, I, I think his mental approach has always been very good. I just, you know, but what you're saying is, is correct. He's got a, you know, the bone bruise isn't going to go away. It's something that's probably going to affect him the rest of the year. He's probably going to have to manage the pain and go through it. But, you know, it's like a football player. Could you, could you play through that pain? And, you know, I think Bird's got to kind of go out there and prove that. Could, you know, could he be an effective player with, you know, at, at, at 80% or 90% or whatever he's going to be. I hope I, I they hope he's, he's going to be 90, but I, I doubt he's going to be 100 the rest of the year. So he, he's going he's to have to show that, that he can. And, and right now, if, if he's been trying to play through that, I, I, w- I would have to, I would dare say that he has not played well through it. And, and, and you know, to shut it down, you know, when he was so close to ending it, I, I think that's a, that's a sign that he would, you know, he didn't feel he was even close to 100%. So, I, I think that you know it's you know let's see where he gets to and 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 you know what the cortisone shot does and how much better he feels. I mean he, he's going to start hitting, I would guess, when the when the ankle feels better. But you know I, you know when does the ankle feel better? It, 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 it you know when the doctor says it does or when Greg Bird says it does. I mean that's that that's the big key. And um, I, I don't I think Bird's a confident guy that once it gets fixed he, he's going to be he's going to be okay. But but uh, you know. When's it going to get fixed? Is the big question, and I think there are legitimate concerns right now that this year is going to be one where he's going to be 100 percent at any point. 
Yeah, that's the scary thing. I want to get your opinion on Gliber Torres. Really terrible news that he's got to have Tommy John surgery for sliding into home plate headfirst, which I hate. But uh, you saw him play every day in AAA. He was on such a fast rise. I mean, I think everyone was in agreement. He was going to be in the Bronx sooner rather than later. What did you see out of him? Oh, I saw a guy who needed some work defensively. I mean, everything they're saying defensively is true. He, he was he was very raw. He 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 would uh he'd make some. I mean, I don't even call him rookie mistakes. He made some little league mistakes in the field. He, he you know there would be some balls he slow rollers. He just kind of let get by him, hoping it would go foul, and then you'd see you'd see them taking extra base on him. So he he he'd do things like that. You know, he he was very in love with his arm, which he should be because he's got a cannon. But you know, he you know he would make some some throws that weren't on the money. Sometimes he he'd get himself out of position. He'd try to you know feel the ball on on his you know on the side when he really you know I've seen him make errors on plays where I mean probably ninety nine percent of the you know the the professional caliber shortstops would would make it a hundred percent of the time. So yeah, I I think he needs a lot of work defensively. All that said, he's a supreme offensive player. He's he's I mean he was really he really hadn't even hit his stride, and and he was getting two or three hits a game here. He was he was really starting to turn it turn it on. And what, what, once once he really started to understand AAA pitching, which hadn't happened yet, but you got the feeling that he was probably a 400 hitter in this league because he, because he's he's just he hit, every ball he hits is hard. He and he and he hustles. He really really tries hard, and and he and he and he knows the game very well. He just he just has to learn it. He just has to. He just has to make those mistakes and, and overcome them. And, and I thought September was really a time when, when Torres would, would have made a, an impact in the big leagues. I, th- I thought he needed all summer to, uh, to kind of get you know, everything in order you know, mentally and, and, and defensively. And, and, and his defense defensively, he's a shortstop, and they've been moving him around. So that's exactly that, that's, yeah, that, 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 that's an issue. He, he's had to learn positions he's, he's never played. But on a scale of one to ten, if you want me to, you want me to rank him on a scale of one to ten as far as prospect go, he's a nine point nine. He's easily the best infield prospect I've ever seen come through here, and and and, and that includes a lot of guys who've had great careers. So um, I, I think really that it's a shame. It's more of a shame for for Glaber because he 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 was going to make his big league debut sooner. He's probably probably. He lays that by about nine or ten months, honestly. But you know, he'll get there. Player, you know, there have been players who've overcome this type of surgery on their non-throwing arm and then been back and ready to go in four months. And 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 he's he's that he's he's on that pace, and he's going he's going to be ready. And and watch out, he's going to compete for a big league job next year in spring training. That was going to be my follow-up about them bouncing him around between third base, shortstop, second base. Did he was he looking sort of you mentioned little league mistakes at third base or was it at all positions? Oh no, that was at third. Um, yeah, he he made he made he made some bad errors at short, but they're kind of you know thinking too much errors. It's not I mean, there's a big difference to me, you know, a, a thinking too much error and a not thinking enough error. And I'd rather see the thinking too much errors honestly, because that that shows you care and you're trying to yeah. to make the best play possible for your team. And you know he really he made made a couple of those three or four, I, I would say that you know, that really uh, you know if they played Cito Culver it's a, it's a you know it's a play they make a hundred percent of the time, so you know he he just I, I think moving back and forth and for a young guy it's, it's difficult to, to to be somewhere you've 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 never really been, 
And you know, he, he was playing a lot of third base. They were clearly trying to push Headley. I mean, it's, it's not even worth debating whether they were trying to do it. They were trying to do it. Um, and, and, he, and he might have overtaken, overtaken him with the bat. But I, I think Flavor is a, is a guy who needed some more time to, to get it. And he was going to get it. But at, at shortstop, he shows, I mean, just unbelievable range, unbelievable arm. I mean, smart. He, he, he reads back very well. He, you know, for, for a guy who's, who's in the, you know, is in, in the International League, which is really a, the most veteran minor league you, you can get, he, he's, he's reading those bats very well. He's, he's positioning himself well. He didn't always execute the play, but that was going to come with time. He, he, he's going to be a special player. So apparently when you have a really good spring training with the New York Yankees, you're doomed in the, in the regular season to get to the major leagues. We got Tanaka, we got uh, Torres, and we have Greg Bird that are uh, obviously not doing what they need to do. The fourth guy on my list would be Tyler Wade, who also had a very good spring training. I'm really hoping he doesn't go the, the same route as these other guys. What are we seeing from Wade? Because there's a, you know, they've, Cashman has talked about this. Girardi has talked about this. He's probably one of the, the next guys to get called up if there's an infield um, spot available. Is uh, Tyler Wade has been hitting, it looks like, down in AAA. In, uh, talk to us, I guess, about his offense. And then he's rotating in different positions. Where is he playing? So uh, just, just a complete update, I guess, on Wade. Uh, I mean, Wade's the best player on this team. I, he should be in the big leagues. I mean, he's he's the one guy. I'm, I, 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 I it's, it's pretty clear he's a big league ball player. He's, it, I mean, the, the, and the best thing I could say about him is he had a hitting streak snap the other night. He, he went over two, drew two walks, stole a base, made a huge impact on the game without getting a hit, and he, and he gets a ton of hits. I mean, he's one of the you know he's, he's up toward the the league leaders in hits um, with Fowler, but um, yeah, he, he's he's a guy. He yeah, he's. You know, just your typical leadoff guy. He, he drives the ball. He's going to he's going to hit 15, 20 home runs at Yankee Stadium. Hmm. I'm, I'm I'm telling you. I mean, if he plays half his games there, he's, he's going to hit. He's going to find that porch enough to to make him a, a Brett Gardner type of leadoff hitter. I, I think he's that good. He's an exciting guy. He's a marketable guy. Um, I, I think that the fans are going to love him. He, he's going to, if they call him up tomorrow, he bring he bring a lot of energy to that team. I, I think that's that that's the one guy here where I, I think there's a spot on the roster for him in the big leagues, and I think he's he, he really take it and run with it and add something to the team. Fowler, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, because their outfield is pretty good. I mean, you want Hicks playing, you want Gardner playing, obviously you want Judge playing. I don't know where Fowler fits in, but Wade is a guy I think is a utility guy. He plays. He asks what positions he plays. He's not going to play tonight, but he plays pretty much every night. He plays second base last night for two games. He's a natural shortstop. I think he's really, really terrific at third. That's a position he played in high school. He's uh, he's very comfortable there. I think I think he's as, as a third baseman. He's very, very good. But he's he's played some in the outfield. He played left and right. He looks good in the center. Uh, right took him a little bit of time because. You know, he left left was different for him because he plays on that side of the infield usually. So he so he understood where you know the the, the direction the ball was going to spin, you know the, the the tail of the ball and when it's in the air, things like that. But right field took him a little while. But it, from what I've seen of him in right field recently, he's been pretty good. So, I mean, I, I think Wade is a guy who is a very sneaky prospect. But I, I kind of snickered in, in in the spring when all those you know that he you know they wanted to be the next Ben Zobrist. You know, kind of thing. Um, yeah, you got you better hit like Ben Zobris does if you're going to be Ben Zobris. But after seeing Wade play a lot, I, I think he might be. I, I, I think he might be that good. 
I think he could be the utility guy they, they've been looking for. He's very, very sneaky good, and, and, and I, he's, he's, he's maybe the one guy, I think, right now that, that they're kind of wasting his time in AAA. I think he's ready for the step. The, the one thing I'm seeing about Tyler Wade, though, is when we have, when the Yankees have Ronald Torres, and it seems like, I mean, he's done a very good job every time he's played, and, and he's kind of fitting that, that utility role bill. Uh, you know, is it, is it maybe the, the reason they want Wade in AAA is because they, they want him to come up and, and play a, a, a bigger role than that? Because I'm just not seeing, you're talking about a utility spot and that he could play all these positions, and that's terrific, but... I, where's the where's the spot going to come from in the major leagues? I mean, third base is an area that that is uh, you know up for competition. I think at this point, I think Chase Headley is officially on notice, and there are there are guys that can come up and step into that role if if you know if they're playing that position. So, I don't, are we seeing are you seeing more opportunity for Wade in AAA at third base so he can kind of prove that he is that defensive guy at third base too, or even with Anduar coming up? I mean, what's that situation going to look like? I, I don't think they're going to. To uh, just keep Wade at one spot, and I don't—I don't think Wade is actually a, a contender to replace Headley. I—I I think he's a contender to replace Ref Snyder and be a, a guy who who plays a lot. You know, if you look at look at other teams, I mean, they play their utility guys almost every day. Utility guy is almost a, a position. And Kansas City's doing it with Merrifield, a pretty good player. He plays all over the place. Um, Zobris is another guy. Zobris will start three or four different spots. He'll play seven games a week, play him starting three different three or four different spots. I think if you if you bring up Wade, play him every day. You know, you can play him six days a week, five days a week. He he could spell somebody one of the outfielders, give Judge a DH day, which he's you know eventually going to need something like that. He could he could spell you know he, he's an option in center field when Hicks is hurt, or you know you know you don't have to, you don't have to I mean he's a better offensive player than Mason Williams is for sure. Hey, he, he, he could go out there and, you know, he could spell Headley every once in a while. He can, he can give Didi a rest. Starling Castro's going to need a rest every once in a while. And, and, and Girardi likes to rest these guys. He, he hasn't been able to do it um, as much recently, but, but he, he, I, he said he'd like to be able to do it. So, I mean, I think Wade's a guy that gives him that kind of option. And, and you could play a utility guy five days a week. I don't think playing time would, would ever be a – uh, concern with with him. I, I think they just want to see him defensively more, maybe a little bit in the outfield, maybe a little bit at, at second. He played both ends of the doubleheader at second base yesterday, which which seemed odd. But but I, I think that that's a position that he hasn't played as much as the other two infield positions. So he, they clearly wanted to see him there. But I, I, you know, I I don't think playing time would be an issue at all. And I, and I don't think they're I don't think they have any intention of sticking him in one spot and saying, hey, all, all right, you're you're, you're Let's let's put you at third and see we see if you're better at Headley there. I, I I don't think that that's the case. I, I think he's a you know, he's a guy who can go up and, and do what Ref Snyder does. And you know it, it, as far as Torres, I mean yeah that that's the guy probably holding him back because Torres plays shortstop in second. You know they, they really only want that one guy on the bench that could that could play shortstop. But I mean as good as Torres is, I, I think Tyler Wade's better. Mm. Let's move to the pitching side. Chance Adams has been sort of the breakout pitching prospect. He was in double-A to start the season. He's had a really good start to his triple-A career. What uh, kind of progress have you seen out of him? His command has been, he's been getting marginally better from the first time out to, you know, tomorrow he's going to pitch. So the last time out would have been, you know, Saturday, I guess. But he, he's been, he's been better. And I think what, but the thing with Adams, and I know you know the organizations don't like this, 
but he's going to go out and just overwhelm people with his stuff. But once he gets to the big league, stuff is kind of, not, I don't want to say minimized, but it doesn't mean as much as it does in AAA where he's just going to overwhelm people. And he's been overwhelming at times in, in, in this league. He's, 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 you know, he's been unhittable for stretches. But his command, especially the fastball, not always what he wants it to be. He's, he misses, you know, wrong side of the plate sometimes. Um, so, so they, they want him to work on that. It'll be interesting to see how much he, he gets from, you know, you know, see, see how much he improves next time out. Um, you know, it, his off speed stuff. I, the other, that's the other thing with him. I think sometimes his, his changeup looks really good. And sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes his, you know, his, his curveball is, is a really good pitch. Sometimes not so much. Um, so he, he, you know, he's able to find it pretty quickly and, and know what he could use and what he can't use here. But, there are, you know, there are times, you know, we're in the big leagues. They're going to make that. Those are going to be mistake pitches until he figures it out, and they're going to hit him hard in the big league. Um, I think I don't think he's very far off. I think once he, once he learns to command the fastball, I mean, you could work on the command of everything else up there. But once he commands that fastball better, and that that is a pitch he is getting better at, getting better with down here. I think he's. He, he can move up to the big leagues, and especially on a team that really, let's, let's face it, the Yankees need two or three starters right now. Yeah, I'd say so. That's definitely true, and I think a lot of them. We're, we're seeing a Scranton shuttle for starting pitching now too. The uh, it's 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 becoming the entire pitching staff, not just the not just the uh, the relievers. But okay, outside chance Adams, uh, can you give us just a couple of guys that that might you know surprise some of the fans coming up to the Bronx and doing well? We know about the. You know, Chad Greens and Luis Sessas and, and these guys. Um, I saw Caleb Smith is a guy that doesn't really get much attention but has some good numbers um, up in AAA. What other, what other names are, are you seeing that are, you know, potential guys that can help in the Bronx in the near future? I mean, that, that's the thing, I think, with, with this team right now is how, could, do they have any pitchers who can go up? Are, are you talking starters or just – or relievers, or both. Yeah, I think either I mean, one. Be, I think I think we a lot of people know a lot of the reliever names uh, with you know Heller and um, seeing Domingo German come up as a reliever. But we've seen these names. I don't know if they're in their their exact spot that they've been in AAA. So I don't know. There's a I think there's some confusion about some of these guys and and kind of their role and and how they're going to contribute. Yeah, I mean, I I think as far as the, the bullpen, and I think that's a, a big problem for the Yankees right now because. Yeah, unless they're going to give Chad Green a shot at the seventh inning, which they really should. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I don't see what they're going to do here. I mean, Heller is is the best reliever here, far and away. Um, Fire Ice has been very inconsistent. He's got a great arm, but you know, command is is, is it's almost on, a, on an outing by outing basis. And and I would I would say I would dare say Fire Ice is the, the second best reliever they have right now. It's, it's really a J.R. Graham struggle last night. Tyler Webb has not been good lately. Tyler Jones hasn't been great lately. Um, they're trying to uh, to kind of piece it together in this, you know, it, you know here to, because they've lost. I mean, they've lost three closers to the to the big leagues at the times, and Gallegos is now on the DL. So, I mean, I, I, I you know, as, as far as relievers go, I'd say Heller is, is the is the one guy right now who could help. Um, starters wise, I mean, it's, it's a little more interesting, but you know, th- this is going to be the boring answer. You guys don't want to hear. I think Mitchell could help. <laughs> People forget about him. I actually yeah. completely I mean, forgot about him. Completely yeah, forgot I mean, about Brian Mitchell. So somebody, I mean, and I've been, I've been saying this for three years. I probably said it on this podcast last year. 
I, someone's got to explain to me why Mitchell isn't getting a serious look as a starter. He throws 95. He's got a big curveball. His changeup, when he throws it enough, is not a bad pitch. He's working on a slider, which honestly, on a scale of 1 to 10, is probably a 4 right now. But if, if he could add fourth pitch, I mean, his three pitches should be, should be, should be good enough in the big leagues. He just need, he needs the extended run. And, and, and I think he should, I think he should get it. I, I, he, 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 he could dominate a, a lineup. And I've seen him do it when, when he gets when he gets on a roll and when he's feeling it when, when you when you're getting a, a well called game and, and he's he's in the groove he's he's a really really good starter with with plus stuff um, and and and, he, and and honestly he didn't show it at times this year last night he did um, but before that he, he really he, he struggled with it they they want him to get deeper into games with less pitches and and I think they're kind of challenging him mentally. Um, with the pitch count, everything, I, and they, they want to see him kind of change a little bit as a pitcher. And I asked him last night. He got he got into the he got into the fourth inning. Actually, he got, I think he got into the fifth inning last night. So I asked him if he was pitching more contact, and he kind of said, "Well, no, I'm not. I'm trying. I'm still trying to strike guys out. I think the Yankees want him to pitch contact." Um, and, and and he did it a little bit better last night. So so I mean, I, I think there, there's some hope with Mitchell, but. But outside of that, I mean, you're looking at Acevedo right now. He's pitching tonight. Uh, I didn't see him the last time out. He was in he was in Buffalo, but he's got. I've seen him in spring training. He's got unbelievable stuff. So this is going to be fun to watch. Um, you know, they, they've got Caleb Smith. You mentioned. I think he's a Triple A All Star this year. He's pitched that well, but I, I don't see where his his stuff translates quite yet to the big leagues. He doesn't have great command. He, he throws a lot of pitches. He's kind of. He's, he's kind of been a, a six innings at most guy, um, and you know his you know, his slider is still developing, but his changeup is, is is for real. And you know you you look at Smith and think, oh, he throws eighty eight, eighty nine, and I, I've seen him dial it up to ninety two or ninety three, so he's got a good arm. But uh, yeah, he, he, to me, he needs the third pitch. And you know, really outside of Adams, Adams and Mitchell, right now, I, I think. You know, unless you're willing to wait for Acevedo, I, that's really what the Rail Riders rotation brings you. Before we wrap up, I want to ask you about Clint Frazier. I don't know if you thought you were going to get off the hook without us asking you a Clint Frazier question, but he's been. I was hoping to get a Clint Frazier question. <laughs> awesome. He he sort of made all those loud headlines. I think, unfortunately, um, not they weren't warranted at the start of the season. But he's just been quietly going about his business recently. The power numbers are coming around. I found it interesting. You said uh, Tyler Wade was the best player on the Rail Riders right now, but is is Frazier the second best? Uh no. <laughs> I, said, I think Fowler is probably the second best. But I really like Frazier, and I, and I think if the Yankees fans have could, could, could muster up some patience. In two years, they're going to have a 24-year-old who really, really is a good major league outfielder. He, he, he's a guy who I, I think that you kind of, and, and I don't mean that this is going to come off. Everyone, I don't, I don't want this to, to sound at all negative. He reminds me of Jesus Montero a little bit when he first came up here. <laughs> in the fact that that's he, scary. He, he re, yeah, no, no, it's not. I like Jesus a little bit because he was able to hit the ball the opposite way with, with some power. And Frazier can do that, too. I think the thing with Frazier that I'm looking for is the same thing that you were looking for with Montero back then. Is he going to be able to pull the ball with authority when he gets the pitches he should pull? And I think Frazier last year didn't show that at all. Everything was kind of a, a, a right. And anything he hit with, with authority, he hit the right center. This year, he's, he's driven the ball to the left field quite a bit. Um, 
So I think he's, I think he's improving. And I, and I think what the Yankees really, uh, I mean, with, with him, he's a guy who needs some time. I, I think he's kind of, he was kind of a raw prospect last year, and this year he's kind of made, made this big, big, big jump, but not, not, not quite a big league jump. But he, he's made a big jump from, from where he was last year. And, you know, to, to be honest with you, I, I think he's a year away. But he's got a lot. Of, he's got every tool. He, he's, he's, a, he's a very underrated defender, very, very underrated defender. He's, he's made some really great plays in left. He, he can play right. Um, you know, he's got a good arm. He, he runs the base as well. He's a smart player. He, he's, he's, like I said, he's learning how to pull the ball. He, he should pull. And, and eventually he's going to be able to, to drive that ball in the ballpark. I think he could be a 25-30 home run guy. I, I, I just think the, the Yankees, the fans, they all need to have some patience with him. He's, he's, he's not a, he's a younger guy. He's still for, he's 22. Isn't he 23, maybe? He's, he's yeah, I think a, he's 22. A, a I think he's product. 22. Yeah, he's still, yeah, he's still very young. He's, he's two or three years younger than the average age in this league. He's, he's a, he's still a, he's still a, he's still a pop. He, he needs to learn, and, and I think he's he's getting there. So, you know, Fowler is, is a little bit more polished, and he can play he can play center field. But um, and so that's why I, I and he's a left-handed batter, so he he's going to be able to drive the ball out of out of Yankee Stadium pretty well. But I think Fowler's going to be a, a really good player. But Frazier to me is the more exciting player. I, I, I yeah. you know you know while, while Wade, I, I would say right now Wade's the best player in the team. I think Fowler is, is probably still the best. Player. Now the Right, right. Well, Donnie, thank you very much for the time. It was uh, great to find out all this information, and hopefully we can catch up with you down the road. Oh, no problem. Anytime, hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show... We'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.